going on? It's Dave here. Welcome back to the Hustle and Fitness Podcast. And you know what that means if I'm talking and there's no music. Today's another interview on our Hustle and Fitness Podcast show. I love these and I love learning from other people. And we were blessed today to chat with Jonathan Dixon. He's a local man who I met probably two years ago now, and we've been building a relationship ever since. We've done some cross promotions with our businesses, but he's a really cool guy who I guess most people know him now as he runs a shop in Carrying Bar called Booty and Buff Nutrition, so his own supplement shop. He's also got quite an online following. He's been around the kind of fitness world for a long time. That's how most people know him, um, but we really dive into this interview because I want to explore his backstory. I've, I've known him for two years now, and I'm always more impressed by who people are and the way that they show up in their presence. That's something that he has in an abundance. He's a very authentic, very strong guy. And you know, hearing more about his story was actually awesome as we sat down to interview. So he talked a lot about how at a young kid, he was very sporty, did very well at tennis, then had a, an absolutely life-changing injury and how he bounced back from that and how he used fitness to really be his anchor throughout that. We followed his story through, you know, going to uni because he didn't really know what else to do, but liked fitness. So when I did the kind of classic exercise science degree, like I was doing myself for a time. And then went into industry, working in a supplement shop, like a lot of, again, typical guys do, and some personal training. What I love then is how he's transitioned from that into business with no formal business training, no formal business experience, and has now built the shop that he runs at Caring Bar to over seven figures in revenue. Um, which we discussed a bit after, and is building really a name for that brand. And that's awesome to see how he's taken just that pure passion for the industry and he's really taught himself the business side of it and just hustled and grinded to, to make that work and to learn the skills that he needed to really excel in that area. And he talked a bit about the first year of business with that, how he worked 50 straight weeks, seven days a week. It didn't take a wage for himself while still personal training on the side to pay for that, doing 12, 16-hour days. And what he learned from that and how much that's really built in his own, I guess, belief in himself. So I love that part of his story as well as diving into, I guess, his beliefs on fitness, how he can, how he tries to help people with their training, nutrition, and his overall mindset and, you know, books and things he's loved. So we went to a lot of cool places, dived into his stories. We even talked about how he tried to illegally sell fireworks to high school just to buy extra video games and Pokemon. So it went everywhere from life lessons to video games. So please... Buckle up. Uh, the audio was pretty good most of the time, but there was a little bit. Of, we were in his shop. There was a little bit of car traffic and rain. So just bear with it at times if it gets a little bit fuzzy. We did our best. But please enjoy us chatting with one and only Jonathan Dixon. Welcome back to the Hustle and Fitness Bootcamp and today we've got an extra special episode. We've got another special guest on our podcast and funnily enough, his name is also Jono. So we've now had two Jonos, 66% of our guests on the podcast have been Jonos um, and I'll let Dave introduce him because Dave is a good friend of Jono's. So Dave, what shall the people know about Jono? He's got staringly blue eyes and he's looking at me. Uh, we talked a bit about Jono when they first heard, but essentially to, to summarize, he's a very driven entrepreneur, very switched on guy. And, um, you know, I always liked, I like seeing what people have built, but I care more about who people are. It's more about who he is. That he's such a driven guy, but still genuine down to earth and authentic. So that's what we're going to be exploring a bit today, how we got to where he is. So Jono, welcome. Thank hey you for having us in the Beauty and Buff podcast studio here. <laughs> yes. We're in his shop right now, staring at protein powders, protein bars, Drinking kombucha. There's a creepy guy walking by. Hello. 
<laughs> it's just, oh, it's the best stuff. Jono, uh, you know, I think to start from a little bit of the beginning, like I'd lo- I think it'd be really valuable to hear about how you got to where you are now, running a very successful business, you know, following in great shape and getting very switched on. Tell us a bit about, I guess, the upbringing for yourself and your journey so far. Um, I think um, sort of what put me down the fitness path or, or trying to make like a profession, a career out of it was kind of how the benefits of being fit and healthy brought me to my life. Uh, and what I mean by that is kind of like I really enjoyed how it helped create confidence, uh, kind of fulfillment, happiness, um, strength. Um, so I kind of like to share that with others. Uh, I was talking before with Dave and Jake about how I had a pretty life-threatening accident when I was 16 that kind of ended me out of a sporting career and how kind of how weak I felt and how sad I felt and how kind of feeble I sort of felt. But then getting into the gym, training, it kind of made me, it brought new life to me. It kind of made me feel like um, uh, I could be someone. I had sort of uh, more belief in myself. So when I kind of talk to people about dieting and training, that, that fire that lit up in me when I was younger, I kind of like to see that lit up in other people as well. Like I, I get excited to, to know why other people are training, why they're dieting, uh, what kind of impacts that, you know, how being fit and healthy kind of transcends into like, you know, being a better boyfriend or being a better wife or, or being, you know, more productive at work or being able to handle stress or, or being a better mother, father. That, that's kind of what sort of got me uh, into fitness and, and that's kind of the same end game you could say I want to want to see in other people as well. Real wow. cool. Wow. There's a, I think we, we can't skip over this life-threatening injury um, and like I, I love that, you know, this is kind of, this has taken you down a path of wanting to help other people, wanting them to be better people um, because as we know, being in the fitness industry, how powerful getting on top of our uh, exercise and nutrition, how, how much that impacts other areas of life. But I just want to touch on what actually happened with this life-threatening injury. Like, how did it come about and what happened immediately after that for you? Yeah, so I was, pretty, uh, I was a pretty serious tennis player. Um, I was trying to go professional. And this happened just before the Australian Open, the Australian Open Juniors as well. Wow. I was in Tarragon and uh, I kind of, it was a rainy day. I kind of uh, was running and a um, piece of sheet metal kind of fell from the building and it was all kind of all over the joint. I was underneath it. So this piece of sheet metal kind of cut my arm open really, really bad. Uh, it nearly bled to death. Nearly had to have my arm amputated. Uh, yeah. Nearly had to, nearly lost all uh, feeling in my arms. So it was wow. pretty scary. I was, um, I was joking about it before to the boys, but I was 16 with braces, never kissed a girl. And as I was going into the, into the surgery, I was worried that I might lose my arm and I was thinking to myself, what girl would want a guy with one arm? And, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a lot of things going Interesting that, you li- that yeah, your yeah, mind went there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always about girls when we're 16. Followed closely by Game Boy availability after that. You're like, shit, how am I going to play Game Boy? <laughs> we said before, yeah, those are two priorities in life. Can't play Pokemon no more, sort of thing like that. So I guess just feeling, uh, just going from that being that weak and that upset. And um, the funny story was four days after the surgery, I went running on a treadmill. And um, which was pretty stupid, was on a lot of painkillers and stuff. Because I just literally felt weak. I just, I just hated the hand I got dealt with. And my dad had to drag me off, and he was about to give me an absolute hiding because I was, I was running on the treadmill at like speed eighteen, <laughs> and I'm bandaged up, and I was like bleeding almost, and on painkillers and stuff. So <laughs> I just, I just didn't want to admit defeat. And just in me, I was like, this, this can't happen. This isn't the end. I, I didn't know. I was in, I was almost in panic mode. I had no 
I, I, I can't say I had direction, but I was, I was in some serious panic mode. Did your dad instill that into you when you were younger, that sort of attitude or mindset? Like, how did you at 16 have such a, like, I'm not giving up, I'm going to fucking fight back at that age? Um, yeah, hardcore. My dad was, uh, he was pretty full on. It was either you won or you, then you won or you lost and you lost kind of thing like that. Yeah, kind of like chance. Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. <laughs> either, either first or last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so my dad was, um, he had a pretty tough upbringing, but I'm so thankful for that because he just drilled into me in, in this world that you've got to, you've got to go all in. You've got to, you know, uh, if you lose, you, you, you basically lost, you know, so I was, I was pretty grateful for that. Um, in hindsight, when I was younger, I always thought my dad was very uh, tough on me. Uh, I was like, why can't I be like the other kids or why can't I do that? And in, in, inevitably, uh, he prepared me for what's to come in life. So I'm, I'm so thankful for my parents for the, the upbringing they brought me. Like, they prepared me so immensely for the world. I can't thank them enough. Yeah, wow. Mm. Wow, okay. So let's take it. Um, so you've had the the surgery you didn't lose your arm thankfully um how did that impact your life moving forward um to kind of bring you to this now journey that you're on now okay so after that i was kind of lost i was doing um bricklaying i was i was working at toys r us nearly didn't get they didn't know going to hire at toys r us because the the big boss thought i was a bit of a a bit of a loser, or I wasn't capable of taking instructions, which is kind of right to me. <laughs> um, and then, so the next thing is, I didn't, so a lot of my friends that I hung around with at the time, they were all going to uni, and they were all quite academic. So in my mind, I thought, because I didn't even have my year 11, year 12, right? So in my mind, I thought I was behind the eight ball. I thought I was, um, you know, I have to go get a university degree, that, that you have to do that, you have to be smart, you have so that, that's kind of what I was surrounded by. There wasn't really the internet mm. or access to information about how to make money this world or how to really make impact. Yeah. So I then became consumed with hurry up and get my year 11, year 12 and hurry up and get to university, which I did exercise. Uh, I got a bachelor degree in exercise science at uni and then got a job working as a, you know, in, in exercise, in rehabilitation, in, uh, in doctors and stuff like that. But and then it got to that phase where I was getting paid absolutely nothing, you know, and getting bossed around and stuff. And, sure. Um, yeah, and, and then, you know, a uh, few other things, I guess. I was working for another uh, supplement company, and um, I was working there for a long time, and uh, it wasn't really working out. So then I, um, I, uh, I, I went off and did my own thing. We're fast-forwarding now from the ages of, say, 18 to, to, to 26 27, I just turned 27 when I started booting buff. I'm 29 years old now, and that's kind of how it flowed that way. Uh, yeah. You know, cut a long story short, I kind of played by the rules, tried to make everyone happy, uh, being a good boy, working hard, um, and, and it got me fuck all. Uh, literally got me um, it kind of, I had okay friend relationships. Uh, I had, I guess, kind of like a false sense of confidence. People, you know, I wasn't really actually confident in myself because I didn't, I wasn't really being fulfilled. In my mind, I, 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 you know, I said to Dave earlier, I failed in this tennis career. So I thought, that's it. You're done, John. There's no more left to life. You can't be someone spectacular or have huge impact. You've just got to go be like the, the general population sort of thing, which is a pretty hardcore uh, thing to uh, have in my head. And it's completely not wrong at all, like, Anyone at any stage of their life can be somebody and can make a huge amount of impact, but that's that's all I know. Like I didn't, I wasn't 
uh, I wasn't kind of, um, you know, uh, put in that area of, of, say, entrepreneurship or thinking bigger. I was just, I guess I was kind of hanging around the, the wrong people, like other people who just were, were content with life, were just happy to work nine to five, Monday to Friday, get pissed on the weekends, were, uh, you know, were brought up to get married and have kids at a young age. I thought that was it. I didn't know any better. Um, mm. And then I met someone really special. So, oh, here uh, we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But this guy's <laughs> His name's Danny Saba, one of the smartest people ever. So it was just by fate. So I was at the gym on a Friday night. I was tired. I was like 20, 25. I was tired. I was, I was cranky as all, as all fuck. And this, this fat kid came up to me. And he goes, oh, you're Jonathan Dixon. Because I had, had 6,000 Instagram followers at the time. And you're Jonathan Dixon. And I was tired. I was doing triceps. It was like the 12 rep. I don't think the aircon was working. Uh, <laughs> I had a headache. I was like, and I remember like kind of looking down and seeing like a kind of a chub, like he's got a head, like chubby kid with hairy legs and I was like, fuck, this guy's even got nice shoes on. I'm like, what the heck? And I look up and he goes, oh, hi. He goes, his name was Andrew McHale. He goes, oh, hi. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of yours, kind of thing like that. And I was like, I was tempted to be like, oh, I just blow off. But then there was something you said, no, John, you know, you've been there where you, you that's what I want to do. I, I love helping people. I legitimately love helping people. I go to Moon and back to help people. With fitness and health, with other things I can't help people. I don't know anything, but I still help them, I guess. But, um, <laughs> You know, so anyways, I helped this guy lose a lot of weight, talking calories and macros, training. I did it all for free too because he was a young man too, so I knew how it felt. But then he introduced me to his brother-in-law called Danny Saba. Now, this guy was a philosopher. He knew everything about the laws of attraction, business, entrepreneurship, life. And that, and and, um, and I ended up training him for, you know, I remember seeing him walk across the road when I was working at ASN. And um, and just, I, I don't know what it was. I was like, oh, this guy is something special. Which is kind of, um, for the record, I have a girlfriend, but when I say he's got something special, it's not like that. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Experimenting in his 20s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, in, a, in, a, in a nutshell, I, I trained this guy at God early times at 4.30 a.m., even 4 a.m., uh, you know, and, and he was paying me 80 bucks for the hour, which was absolutely no money to him. Um, but that's how I collected a lot of my information is, was in a nutshell, is uh, if I wanted this priceless information to get me going to see another side of the world or life that can be lived, I had to get up at 3.50 a.m. or sometimes 3.30 a.m. to train this guy for an hour. That was the deal. It wasn't about right. money for this guy. He was like, you give me fitness and, and motherfucker and I'll, I'll give you life lessons. And, and just the, the, the amount of... Uh, the, the, the thought processes and the books that evolved me and, and opened me up to the world was 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 a whole new it was like rebirth to me sort of thing. It was, it was so surreal. And and then just to just to look yeah, so it was it was so surreal. But it wasn't even just that, just how like he came from such a loving and caring family. Even even that, I, I just couldn't believe there was someone I couldn't I don't think I was really exposed to it. There could be someone like that that, that could be so nice and genuine and kind on the world, it was feels surreal. Like I said, the the, the the shit that he told me opened me up to, fucking mind blowing, dude. So it was good. Wow. Again, the trade off was get up, train <laughs> six days a week, five days a week at three fifty a.m. for an hour. It wasn't about the money for him. He just wanted the fitness because he ran uh, he he runs a IT company that has over sixty people, which he started from scratch. That's what he needed. He needed someone to come with his fitness so he could be better at work, so he could be better father because he had three kids at the time. Just had his first son. I think he's had his fourth. Uh, fourth. Uh, it's a girl um, called Cherry. So yeah, amazing. That's so, such a cool story. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, and I know. Um, I feel like we've kind of jumped from spot to spot to spot with this with the journey. And I think there's a couple of important steps that 
uh, I'd like to dive into with your journey th- through your 20s. So it sounds like after uni for you, it was a little bit of do a bit of this, bit of that, you know, follow what everyone kind of told you you should be doing after your uni degree. Would that be right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, it was a lot of people, uh, a lot of me just listening to people and, and kind of thinking that if I, um, if I help people get X results, so in terms of working for this other supplement company, they would reward me, right? Mm. So <laughs> I couldn't even go down the path of what I had to throw away to work with with this company that they said I'll get sort of thing like that. So anyways, we get to the end of the line. They want to sell the company. They ask for an obscene amount of money. Uh, I couldn't afford it. Not, not, I don't want to hate on it and stuff like that. They gave me a pay card. I was getting treated poorly. I did everything for the thing. And then one day the boss over there goes, well, you don't like it. Why don't you open your own business? So I'm pretty, I don't know. Like it was, it was and the way he said it, it's just like, why don't you go do that? And, you know, so that's kind of how it all started. Then I met, Michael and Paula uh, at a financial they're a financial firm. Uh, so they helped me get uh, this store up and running. Because um, I didn't really know how to sign a lease, legal documents, even getting Telstra installed, renovations of the store. Uh, also, not to mention, I didn't have the capital to go. So I had the fifty percent capital. I didn't to start the business. I didn't have the other fifty percent, which might have been one hundred ten thousand from them. I had that no business loan, so I went all in. All my fucking money, all that kind of stuff like that. Wow. Um, yeah, so was, was that scary? Scary as well, fuck, man. And, <laughs> and people don't understand. Like, people don't, like, you know, other, other people that are in businesses understand. Other people don't know what it's like when, and it wasn't actually about the money of losing it. It was actually the fear of being a failure, you know, the embarrassment of starting a, a supplement shop and failing. Because a lot of other supplement shops in the area had failed. So that's, that's kind of what was uh, scary to me. But again, I had a lot of uh, the, a lot of factors when starting out the shop. I had them uh, blocking a lot of supplies wanting to work with me, who eventually came on board. So I had that facet. Um, yeah. So and again, uh, I didn't draw a wage out of the shop for the first fifty weeks. So I was still personal training uh, and then getting to work at like ten thirty a.m. Had my business partner Michael and Paul. That would be there from nine to ten thirty. Then I was there ten thirty seven. So I was still getting up at three fifty a.m. And train people at 4.30, do a couple of hours, and then and then get into the shop Monday to Saturday. Sunday, I didn't train people, but I was still here in class. So I was doing it almost close to 90 hours a week. So I did it for 50 weeks straight. And I can't, and it was um, it was pretty pretty uh, pretty fucked up on you uh, emotionally, mentally, and physically because I had no time to train. So that's basically what I had to sacrifice to get this shop up and running. It wasn't really about the, my... My uh, most valuable asset I think I have and always will have would be my health and well-being and fitness, which I learned through my arm. So that's what I kind of had to sacrifice or put on the back burner to start this business. So it wasn't the money. It wasn't the time. It was like saying, John, this is your cost. This is the trade-off for you to get this up and running. Are you willing to sacrifice your own training, your own health, your own fitness to get this shop up and running? And, and it got to the point I was taking blood pressure medication, because uh, I was getting high blood pressure because of family history of it. Uh, like to keep me going because it was going up through the roof because of the amount of workload and caffeine I guess I was having. <laughs> I had to get my friends to drop me home at work because I couldn't really see properly. My sight was getting blurred. Uh, and then I started taking a lot of Valium, which I haven't told my parents because this is going to be so crazy. A lot of Valium <laughs> to to relax at night sort of thing because I couldn't unwind because I was, I can't tell you, man, I was on, on, on wits end day. I was wow. fucking turbocharged to the max that it was so fucked up scary. Yeah. Like I've never, ever experienced that level 
Bobby, Tessie, everything. People would come to me and go, oh, Jono, you live in the dream. You're personally <laughs> I'm thinking Got your business. Oh, man, I was thinking this is, is, is there fucking money in the tunnel? This ain't fucking good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. funny how it's a week of being alone as fuck. Alone as fuck, man. And that, that's that's the that's mm. a good thing. Because it happened in three stages in my life. I repeated me too, lost all my friends. Then when I quit tennis, uh, I, I lost all my friends. So I was learning to get in those two stages. And then when I left ASN, all those people that liked me because of my work there had no friends. So I'll, I'll, again, this is the third stage I was in of being alone. So uh, you know what? I was fucking prepared to be alone and, and do the hard work for a pal. And, and fuck, man, the lifestyle I have now and the pride and integrity and, and being able to talk to you guys today is, is fucking mind-blowing. And I love it. And um, at the same time, I did a, uh, there was a lot of embarrassing moments of, 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 of not having much money and other things that I'm probably too ashamed to say. I might say one, one time, but um, you know what I mean? But it was, it was, the payoff is so worth it. I, I love it. So, yeah. <laughs> and that's all right. We'll just leave it that. <laughs> Pretty much covers everything. I was just right. about to ask you. Yeah, so, yeah. so it was worth it in the end, exactly. right? Yeah. Now that we're, you've we're scared not... every other listener away from opening their own all, business. All these guys are taking notes. They're like, lots of pre-workout, Valium to sleep, no <laughs> friends, circles that. And they're like, this is the secret. No, it sounds like a lesson <laughs> from, to the universe. Um, from, from, from Wolfie. Like, oh. like, people are simple, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I might just have a few days off. Yeah. It's like every customer is crucial. Don't work too hard, Jono. Yeah, yeah. Customer, I don't have a $150,000 marketing budget. I don't, you know what I mean? It was yep. just the customer service to get it up and running to here, sort of thing like that. You know what I mean? I had to be over the top. You know, when they talk about different types of exchange, I had to do the abundance of the exchange. It wasn't a, a criminal, was it? it was a criminal exchange, uh, a criminal exchange, um, or like the bare minimum exchange. I had to go to the abundance of exchange. They had to get. So say someone walked in with 89, they would buy a extend yeah, 89.95. I had to not, I had to give them levels of inspiration. I had to give them training tips, guiding tips. Hey, fuck up email and guiding and training programs to 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 feel my level of passion for health and fitness. So I couldn't just put someone on there. I could not be here because I needed every customer to count. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's crazy way to do it. I um, I have so many, so, so much about that again to unpack, but. You know, there's a great expression, if you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want becomes a sacrifice. Yeah. And so that's that's it. Like, you've got to be willing to sacrifice. And we've both done it with our businesses as well. Like, we, we know exactly what you're talking about, the seven-day yep. grind. Early mornings. All that shit, not taking a wage for ages. People think you're living the dream. They don't know what the fuck's going on, right? <laughs> um, so I think that's that's super cool. And, you know, I'd sort of, I, I'm trying to get this message to a lot of people. Like, you talk about how hard you have to work. The fact that you have to work that hard is what makes it so rewarding, what makes it so good. Because if you were just like, yeah, I worked eight hours, Monday to Friday, occasional Saturday morning. And now here we are. It just wouldn't be that. It wouldn't be that fulfilling, right? It wouldn't feel the pride that you just talked about and you just showed. You yeah. wouldn't have without the hard work behind you. Like that shit is what like builds to your belief and builds to your character. And when it's fucking easy, you don't get that. Like you, you have to earn that privilege. You can't just go to Kmart and buy that shit off the shelf. Like you have to earn it through hours and hours and putting the story. And then you have it, and no one can take it from you. And, you and that's the, what's cool. And do you know what's the cool thing? Man, now that when like shit goes south in your life and been through that, you're like, oh, there's not all on the handle. You know what I mean? I can handle this shit. It's fucking nothing. You know what I mean? Mm. You feel more calm and collected like this. You know what I mean? Over, you know, this isn't a threat at all. You know, everything's cool. Like, yeah. This shit this is sorted. So it's cool. Back yourself to bounce back. I want to backtrack to this Danny guy. Oh, yeah. Because this is so cool. Yeah. And this is like how many, we've heard quite a few stories of people similar to this, right? Where they find mm. this person yep. that opens their eye. And I'm pretty sure the hero's journey, if you're familiar with that concept from Joseph Campbell, he wrote this book and he's very mythological, yeah. The Hero's it's Journey. The classic hero's and journey. And that's it. Like if you, you have this, like someone shows you this new path. Yeah. And they say to you, you can take on the path, but it's going to come with a lot of work. Are you ready for it? 
and, and the mentor is that person. And this Danny guy was it for you. Yeah. And I think that's crazy. What was the biggest lesson you reckon he taught you when you first started hanging around with him? Um, probably the... The, probably the biggest lesson I think he would he sort of taught me to improve my life sort of thing like that was to to kind of seek information. Information is power. Learning more about why you tick, how others tick. Uh, I guess the, the the laws of attraction, knowing how like sort of the energy you put out is kind of what you, you're, you're a big, big fat magnet sort of thing like that. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I really yeah. believe that. He kind of opened my eyes. Um, I don't think I could ever do him justice in terms of what he sort of taught me and stuff like that. But it was, it was like <clears> I said, it was a more uh, kind of spiritual effect of life and business kind of thing, which is kind of cool because now, I'm, like, you know, it kind of made me in a way not – I felt like kind of when I started the shop, like I was fake because people say, "Oh, you're a business owner now, and you're a business owner now." But I didn't really know anything about business. I don't. Mm. I didn't know much about tax. I yep. didn't know much about, you know, you know, yep. paying bills, you know, VAT uh, statements, um, all that kind of stuff like that. I didn't really know all that. So when people mm. say business owner, I'm like, you know, I'm just fucking winging it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just got I'm, here. <laughs> yeah, it taught me more about how to build a culture to a business, about how to kind of provide great customer service, what people, how to interact with people. How, what you know, how to talk to people, you know, and also like you know what I mean, like not everyone's going to like your product, and that's okay. You should stand your guns and, and and the type of customers that you want to you want to you want to work with and attract and stuff like that. Um, you know what I mean? So, mm, things, so yeah, it was, it was really cool. It was um, but again, it was kind of like a therapist at that time because I would bounce things off him that I'd be stressing about and stuff like that, and he was able to sort of you know. You know, guide me with that. Tell me, you know, everything's going to be okay, and this is how it's going to go. But then, and you'd also share his stories about, you know, how he started his and how he started his business, and and how things always were aligned and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. He, he told me a story once about how he had to make X amount of dollars in his second trading week, right? And it had to be just the minimum. That was the minimum he had to get to pay for rent or something like that. I don't want to say too much. I don't know if you know get cranked by dude. And then that weekend after training, he made that exact amount, the exact amount. So say it was thirty thousand, he made thirty thousand on the dot. Wow. Maybe <laughs> you should have said I have to make forty thousand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it was well, that's the lesson, right? Ask what you want in life. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, I was, and I remember him telling me that story. And then I was sitting in the car, and it was like we had I did, It was a weekend. It was a Saturday and a Sunday. And I was thinking about what bills I had to pay and what would be nice. And I said, no, John, you, for example, need to make 3000 Saturday, 3000 Sunday. That has to be it. No, no fucking matter what. And then those days, I did 3200 on like each of those days. You know what I mean? Which is a big leap. So we were only like mm. a couple of weeks. Oh, I mean, maybe six months into it. Yep. So I was like, whoa. And I really fucking needed it, man. Yep. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa, that's, that's surreal. So, yeah, yeah, that's so amazing. Cool. So where did he fit in uh, into the journey? Was, did you already have the store when you met? Danny, your no. mentor, or okay? No, um, no, I didn't sort of thing like that. But he was the one that sort of uh, encouraged me to, to pursue the idea and, and starting my own business and, and starting it from scratch and, and stuff like that. How rewarding it would be, and, and yeah, that kind of stuff like that. So he he came before you had the store. Do you think without him, you would have had the courage to open the store? Um, I definitely think I would have had my blinkers on, so I wouldn't have noticed other 
how the world really works kind of thing like that or they're just being so locked in to just guarantee and work with someone so i think he sped up that process mm. in hindsight when i read a lot of books and stuff like that um i did a lot of things correct you know anyway talk about like an entrepreneur i remember i used to my, i remember uh, so i went a tennis tour right when i was 16. The, my dad said look if you win this tennis one was it was like it's very hard tennis one. there's no way i should have won it he goes, I'm going to buy a box of fireworks. <laughs> so I was 16. Simple motivation, everyone. No, that was 14. So I, I won the tournament. So I was like, oh, Dad, I'm going to buy fireworks. And this is when I um, was in Canberra. And then, so what happened was fireworks became illegal. They were going to become illegal. So they'll sell them all dirt cheap. So we bought a bunch of fireworks. That was a meter high and a meter long. It was like a fuck ton of fireworks. And I was still going to Endeavor Sports High School. So I started taking the fireworks to school and selling them for money. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Than the actual fireworks that we because we paid like two hundred dollars for this box, so it should have been eight hundred dollars, right? <laughs> and then I ended up hocking them, and I was buying like a PlayStation, a GameCube, a, a PS4, and all this kind of stuff with it. And then they, came, all, they all came unstuck when I got caught. Uh, I got one of the guys I sold fireworks started letting them off, and this guy was like meant to be the cool badass guy. And I remember like getting called in, <laughs> and then him getting called in, and right in the second, he's like trying to board. <laughs> his name is um, David. I can't want to say his last name. I, I didn't look and go, Are you serious? We're like going here as a team. We're going to deny it. <laughs> like, like on the spot, on the fucking spot. I was like, What's this bat? I couldn't believe it. I was like, Are you fucking serious? Told me like immediately. <laughs> and then, um, and then I got a, I got a, and then uh, the teacher was Mr. Perry, and he said how he's trying to keep it hushed from the the. The police about it because uh, a few kids told their parents that someone brought fireworks to school, so they were worried there was criminal activity going on. So he had to keep it hushed. Like, thank you for that. Huge job the police at fourteen, We're trying to make money, and then um, to play uh, to play Pokemon, and then um, <laughs> and then um, and then my mom kept it a secret from my dad. Thank God, because of the hiring, I would have caught for that. <laughs> unbearable. Like, that would have been the tip of it all. So that was. That was so again, in hindsight, I, mean, I did a lot of things uh, correct. So even when I was working for that other supplement company, they had a lot of sales techniques. And the thing is, I was the number one salesperson in the whole of the company. And I never fucking believed in them. I never did them. I used to do the exact opposite to piss them off to prove a point. It wasn't about that. Because in my mind, I was always just trying to say, how can I help this customer love their health and fitness more? How can I help them get the goals I want? I was never money orientated. You know what I mean? So that's how I was able to sort of, uh, sell slash help people is I was always just like I want to help these people feel as good as I feel I want these people fixing their problem I want them going to loving it I want them dropping the body fat I want them strutting their shit on the beach you know uh, feeling great I want them to have that that was always in my head so I never really did you know their, their sales process but it was to the point I knew I had a, a, an ability so we had a sale day at another supplement shop uh, up in Darwin so we set up this company right and they're all, they had three of the other best sales people they had the, the boss franchise there the boss of the thing the new the operations managers so had all the guns blazing for this opening day right yeah and they're all joking about like oh who's going to sell the most and who they bet on and stuff like that right it was 8 30 shop open so then it was nine till five and then so at the end of the day i looked at the computer right and it was me yeah. I, I had the highest sales average and i sold to the most customers so it was a fucking it was a landslide right and none of them wanted to talk about it it was avoided. I was like, wait, wasn't there a deal? It was hush, hush, hush. <laughs> no one knows about Jonathan winning and all this kind of stuff like that. I feel absolutely rorted. And then, and then, and because of that, and also that night, I had to go eat dinner by myself. They all went their own ways and had their own management meeting and stuff. So to fuck that, I wasn't going to keep working for these guys. I think I, at that stage, I kind of ticked in my head as like, I could do this myself. Yep. And, and they didn't yeah. care. They didn't give a fuck. 
You know what I mean? So I was like, well, I might as well start my own shit. They don't care about me. They're parading around driving in their Range Rovers and going on these amazing holidays and shit like that. I'm just going to go do my own thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Mm. Born and bred entrepreneur with the fireworks. I think that's the, that's the key on that story. Like, that was... It got out of hand, too. I started... I think... Oh, I'm, say the next part. <laughs> I'm not going to criminate any police listening. Uh, if so, we'll, we'll delete that bit. I just love how you asked for fireworks to sell them to get like games. It's like just ask for games as well. It's like you went the long way around here, bro. <laughs> I got all though. And then, yeah, it was funny. Sort of and then my parents were like, how'd you get like a fist? And I said something like, I paid my Pokemon card. Guess you could say, the my, of a truck. Guess you could say my business is going off. And just, what do you mean by that? Oh, nothing. Okay. Um, I'm curious, Danny, Danny's biggest lesson gets you open to the world to start learning, to start, you know, seeing what's really happening. You're, we know now, like, a, you know, I know from our relationship, you're very into personal development, reading, um, you're constantly trying to learn because you're trying to upskill yourself. Um, was Danny the big kicker to that? And, and from that, I mean, what's probably the most important stuff you've read or things you think have been the most impactful on your life that you've read or listened to, I guess, that would help others? Um, I think the biggest thing, the bit, a lot of the books that I've read and stuff like that, they all are fine and dandy, right? But if you're not doing something you're passionate about, don't even worry about implementing those books yet. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's so crucial to, to find something that you're passionate about and enjoy because knowing all those uh parts in, in the book like how to read body language or understanding frame control or um, you know thinking big and all that kind of stuff like that uh, if you're not doing something that you you love it's just going to be a short burst it'll be like a one month thing you do it and then you drop off and then you're back to where you are again I think it's it's critical to really find something that you're passionate about and, and how to discover something that you're passionate about I, I, I wouldn't have the answers for that except just keep trialing new things I'm not saying you know quit your job and start fucking working out a hot dog stand because you're passionate about food. Um, <laughs> I think, like, just trying to find new hobbies and stuff like that. And Gary Vaynerchuk is really good like that. I like his philosophies on things that we now live in an era where if you are passionate about something, you can make a living off it. So, mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, so that, I think that's that's quite important. But, again, bring it, bring it back to those books. Once you find something you're passionate about, those little things there just make it even more enjoyable sort of thing like that more enjoyable more enjoyable um so yeah yeah it's an interesting answer we haven't heard an answer like that as such i guess before or when i've heard people talk about it yeah it's, it's like, like it's like you know sitting there reading a nice book is great but if you're working at macros flipping burgers it's kind of like what it, the fuck are you like i think the book has a place but yeah it's, it's a good perspective to try start with the big rock because then everything else will probably come from that if you can start finding mm. something in life that you're actually excited about doing each day and yeah. want to help people with and, and yeah and again I think um, that thirst for knowledge might also come from when you are doing more things you enjoy and hanging around the right people and all that kind of stuff like that mm. you know what I mean so yeah. again if you're surrounded by people you dislike uh, and you're doing a job that you dislike and you're living in a circumstance that you really dislike it might get very hard to to it will be very it will seem almost impossible that what the, some of these books say is, is possible sort of thing like that but um and again, you know, um, so trying to find out what you want in your life or what you somewhat will get the ball rolling. Uh, think of it like that. I think you've got to get somewhat rolling, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then and then including those books is just, you know, cream on the top sort of thing. So, mm. You know what I mean? Just to challenge that for a second, 
you know, if someone, let's say someone doesn't really know what they they want to be doing, like they, they say they don't have a passion. I don't have a passion, Jono, but I'm working in this, um, this office job. And would you say that there's any value in them starting down a personal development road, like learning how they can um, have better interactions with people, be more influential? Um, do you think there's any value there? I think it could be, but I think it also destroy people and create like a, a entitlement process kind of thing like that. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> so for example, sort of thing like that, um, you might read in those books that one, one of my worst sayings I hate is like, you know, people say eliminate the negative people in their life. Well, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are so butthurt easily these days and have, you know, their feelings are so, you know, you, you disagree with someone, right? So say, oh, you know, that shirt is red and I say it's black. We have a disagreement. So people are like, oh, eliminate yeah. him, he's negative. You know, and so sometimes those books can kind of spiral people out of control because then they'll be like, well, you know, this book says I need to think absolutely positively about things all the time. Otherwise, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm failing sort of thing. Like it doesn't really sometimes bring a, a realistic approach. But uh, I guess, yeah, you're right too. Um, you know, but surely someone can't ask themselves like what's good and bad in their life. Like surely if, you, if you're working for a... a uh, a, a boss who's who's disrespectful as fuck, and you're doing. Surely you can't recognize this is not a good, and you need to slowly transition away or, or see what. Surely you, you don't need a book to tell you, you know, hanging around a friend that does, does drugs is bad, or if someone who abuses you is bad, like uh, you know, unless you mm. had a, a really terrible upbringing. But you know, yeah. like recognize, like you shouldn't need to read uh, a self development book to know that you have a, a lying partner that you should get rid of. Or, you know what I mean? Like, mm. where the fuck, you know, when does the, yep. the common sense kick in sort of thing yep. like that. But I, like I said, I sometimes I sometimes read some of these books and I think to myself, I don't fucking like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I, I can't think like that. You yep. know? And if I was to try and influence it, I'd probably be, I'd feel like a fraud that, you know, I can't think like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, cool, cool. Yeah. I think that the, the principle there is context. Is like, when is advice right? When is it not right? And, and like you said, then thinking for yourself is yeah. pretty damn important. As Bruce Lee once said, absorb what is useful, disregard the rest. Yeah. And that's what he means by that. If you read a book, you're like, oh, this is good for me now. Great. If it's not, no dramas either. So I think context is really the, the key there. Um, anything you wanted to ask particularly, Jake? Um, i got one I or two more things. Ways. I think I've, I've, I might have pissed out like, if, if you're in a shit living stance, yeah, reading a book could maybe turn things around. Or it could make you feel like, fuck, I'm a failure. Fuck, I don't follow any of this kind of shit like that. Um, but at the same time, I think you... you one person can really sit down and give himself an hour and write down the book what makes them unhappy and, and work out what they want to achieve in life or, or what do they want to be known for, what legacy it is, um, and then and then start making small increments to get there. You know what I mean? I don't think you... But again, some of these books can really, kettle, uh, you know, um, really throttle you, you know, even further and stuff too. But they can go either or sort of thing like that. I do really enjoy them. But I've seen people make some really dumb fucking decisions because of it as well. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I see myself like, why? You know what I mean? Yep. So, yep. Yeah. yeah, interesting. In context. Um, I think it's interesting that we haven't really touched on like training or nutrition. We're standing in a supplement store with a, a man who's clearly got a bit of experience in both of those areas. Um, I don't know. Should we leave that for maybe like a nah, round? Let's two? have a chat. Let's have a chat about it. Okay. What's, uh, what's the, you know, obviously running the supplement store, you're helping a lot of people. What's the things you find yourself constantly trying to help people with the most or the things that you see people going wrong with health fitness-wise? 
I try to bring the fun into it. I find a lot of people start implementing too many rules. Like they're like, I've got to, I've got to do meal frequency. I've got to do keto. I've got to, I've got to do this. And, and they're too uh, restrictive to what they need to achieve. I think someone can look pretty fucking good. Pretty good. Sorry. Um, can look pretty <laughs> Fire up! Um, uh, yeah, I think they can do pretty good just following a more flexible dieting route. Um, I I really feel like you, unless your life, unless certain circumstances in your life are, are quite traumatic, I don't think you should really be looking to change, you know, certain elements of your life that can't really be changed to reach your dieting plan. Like you've got to have dinner with a family, or that you can only eat two hours because of work and stuff. I feel like you can follow a more flexible diet and be fit and healthy. Um, so I like to bring the fun into things. I like to kind of wow people with showing them how a more simplistic approach to, 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 to dieting and fat loss can really work sort of thing like that. That's, that's kind of like the, 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 the wowness I like to bring. I, you know, and I've, I've done, I've, I've worked with people that have, you know, couldn't achieve their fat loss goals because they thought they had to do the five meals a day. They had to cut out the carbs. They had to do this and they've just forever been fat and then, teaching them how to how dieting and fat loss really works and educating them that and watching them cry over it all and then improving and then them going on and working in the fitness industry is, is pretty awesome. So I like to bring the simplistic and the, the more fun approach uh, to dieting and, and training. Uh, and, and the thing is, I do that myself. You know, some nights I might work a bit of ice cream into my diet and, and get lean. And I've done bodybuilding comps and won bodybuilding comps and, and, and stuff like that, physique comps and, and and stuff, uh, doing those approaches. So I have a lot of fun doing that, educating people how they can pull that off, sort of thing like yeah. that, and and, and um, improving their lives. And, and yeah, it's, it's pretty surreal. I like that. Amazing. So like essentially, people need to stop worrying about whether they should do this diet, this diet, this diet, and really just make sure it works in with their lifestyle, make sure it's something that they enjoy if it's a new training program. Because, you know, as, as we found working with um, so many clients over the years, yeah, if they're not enjoying what they're doing, they're probably not going to stick at it for a long period of time anyway. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I meet so many people that go, I'm, I'm doing a keto diet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I think myself, oh, we'll do another person. Gonna, like, I don't say it to them. Like, oh, we'll do another person going to follow up for a week and then fail and then, then get fatter and think, oh, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just too strict. Nothing wrong. But I'm saying, not, again, there's nothing wrong with keto diets. I just believe every dieting plan can work. Um, but tracking calories and macros and making it more flexible and stuff like that uh, it is vital for you to enjoy it and have adherence to sticking to it. Mm. You know what I mean? So people kind of go black and white. They're either getting the fuck up on their diet or they're going 100 you know, miles an hour trying to stick to something that's not really sticking. Mm. And then when they quit, they think, oh, there's something wrong with me. No, there's nothing wrong with you. You just have access to the right information. Mm. You, me, everyone, we're all humans. We all lose fat the same way, being in a calorie deficit. We're just going to be consistent with it. And I like to bring a bit more of a captive approach, just for ballpark figures to people. So what I might do is I might collect their data and then, uh, you know, height, weight, age, and then I'll use a Harris Benedict formula to show them, you know, what their, how much energy a day they are burning, you know, total daily energy expenditure. And then from that, I'll show them, you know, uh, this is how much calories I might say. Well, so say it's a chick, she's burning 2,200 calories a day. I'll enter, you know, I'll buy chocolate on, say, 1,600. Calculating that, you know, that's a that's a 600 calorie day deficit. There's 7,700 uh, calories to a kilogram of fat, so I might get the 7,700 divided by the 600. And so every, you know, of that, you might lose a kilogram of fat every 10 days or 11 days, whatever that calculated to for ballpark figures. Mm. And then and then I've got you on set protein ranges, set carbohydrate ranges, set fiber, and then set fat, and all the while working all your favorite foods, your salads, you use in the morning. Uh, you know, you like steak with a bit of, uh, you know, healthy cut between straight chips 
and getting them to lose four or five kilos in that couple of weeks span and then I keep it off the rest of the life, and it fucking feels good. So, you know, that, that's how I get this store rolling. You know what I mean? So it's every one person at a time, one handshake at a time, providing that, that you know, that abundance of exchange. So people don't leave here just buying extend. They're leaving here, you know, uh, achieving their fat loss goals, feeling more inspired, more confident, more direction for, and for the rest of their life. Boom. Amazing. Quite a sales pitch. Everyone come on now. Where do I sign? So everyone who comes in gets that. Wow, that's pretty. I don't even want to buy anything. Just give me the, <laughs> give me the plan, man. <laughs> One protein bar. I'm on a 12 month training plan. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. What's the next uh, year, one to three years, look like for yourself? Um, I want to continue. I'm, I want to. I know. I I know the potential of what a supplement shop can do uh, with with booty and buff, where we are doing very very well. I wish I, uh, you know, I, want, I wish I could tell you numbers, but I want to go all in here and keep growing it. Uh, you know, the direction I'd love to start importing supplements as well from. America here and selling to other supplement shops. And then the end game would be to start my own supplement brand. So, you know, you've got something like Gentech or Body Science or, mm. or uh, International Praying, which we do on this podcast on right now. Um, <laughs> Great uh, plug. Shout out. Yeah. 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 I expect some freebies in the mail. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd love to start something like that. So I'm only 29 uh, and, and life's good. Life's really, really good for me. Uh, and um, yeah, that, that'll be good. So, and I only know one gear, and that's work hard. I don't, I don't take any days off. I really rest and relax. So, in my mind, it's inevitable. I understand it's a hard journey ahead, but I honestly think it's inevitable. I can see it. I, I, I can feel it. Um, and and reading all these books, like such as Pitch Anything, Byron Clapp, and that, and and, and uh, understanding all this, this isn't just preparing me for what's now. It's for the future. So, ready to do deals with larger companies with people uh, with suppliers and that that I'm not 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 you know ready you know I'm getting myself battle ready to transition and not only for the large investment like some of these business ideas could be quarter million dollars and stuff like that uh, so I'm not just financially ready but I'm also mentally and emotionally uh, you know fighting ready mm. so yeah Love it. So Amazing. Basically, right? you're going to take over Andy for sale, is what you're telling us. <laughs> I started giggling because I thought about that earlier. I was like, I should have just said to him, so you're going to take over Andy. I think he's a hoot sort of thing. Like yeah, that. yeah. So I, I, really, uh, I put you onto him, right? I yeah, told you to listen to him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I knew you'd like him. Yeah, Dave put me onto him. I've, I've listened to every single one. I'd love to be in the Arate yeah. thing, but uh, I, don't, I don't think it's open anytime soon. So, <laughs> yeah. If he's listening, we'll let, let him know. I, um, on, that, on that last bit, like, there's a takeaway from what you said there, and there's a expression I said to Jake the other day, and I love it. It's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war, meaning over-prepare. Like, yeah. build your skills before you need them. Yeah. yeah. Like, get good enough so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready for it. Yeah. We, we, talk, we did on a podcast the other day about, like, video games, what they taught us about life. And one of the things is sometimes you're in a game and you can't uh, access the whole world straight away. And the reason he's not ready for that part of the world. And if you went to that part of the world, like imagine Pokemon, you walked yeah. out of like Pallet Town, you went to like the Elite Four, you get fucked up, right? So yeah. they block it from you because you're not ready. Uh-huh. So you need to prepare yourself in life for those things you want to start like getting. You need to be ready for it. Otherwise, when you get there, yeah. you're not going to be ready and it's going gonna, it's gonna to beat you. And yeah. so I love what you said there about you're actually preparing yourself for that next step by yeah. reading and by upskilling and things like that. Yeah, so right now, I just evolved my Avra to a Kadabra. <laughs> so I'm to become Alakazam. So I'm a to, to So you just got to find a friend to trade Someone with. Someone to trade with, yeah. And get to the next level. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so do you take any rare candies in the um, bathrooms? Of- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fucking with you. Um, anything just, else, Jake? I'm boss. What my boss? Oh, good. And, and protein, of course. No, I, I didn't want to go the obvious protein. 
I really hope someone listening actually likes Pokemon. Otherwise, you'd be like, the fuck is these guys talking really about? Pokemon. If not, then the wrong podcast. Let's be honest. Just We're not for everyone. That's okay. That's it, man. We're talking about making money in Pokemon. Good so, shit. Good yeah. shit. What more can you want? I'm happy to wrap it up there, mate. Anything else? Yeah. To- no, I, I think we went a lot of places there. And um, yeah, thanks for sharing all those entertaining stories. John. I know you've got a lot more. So maybe we'll do a round two sometime in the future. But I think we'll leave it there for now, guys. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, got something out of it. Um, Where can they find you, John? If they enjoyed your stuff and they want to follow you more. Obviously, we've got the shop here in Caring Bar, Booty and Buff. If you're a shy local, which yep. a lot of people probably are, come yep. on down. Say hi to John. And on Instagram, uh, I'm the Macro King. So I'm pretty sure I started Flexible Dieting here in Australia. Five. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Macro King. And then um, uh, the shop is Booty and Buff uh, Nutrition Caring Bar. That's for the IGs words. Awesome. Cool, cool. Brilliant. Thanks, Jono. And yeah, so if you enjoyed it, got something out of it, please um, share it out to your friends who might find it interesting. If you're on uh, Apple iTunes, leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And if they do that, Dave, what can they expect to receive? Jono's going to go back to his stripping career and he's going to turn up at their house. As his best stripper. What did you say you were called Ash when you were a stripper? Yeah, I was stripping for the record. Was shirtless Sorry, close enough. And, um, yeah, no, I call <laughs> myself Ash after Ash catches from Pokemon. There's <laughs> a real theme here. <laughs> Legit, I swear to God. It's pretty funny, eh? It's amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I look forward to that if you give us a five-star review and only if you give us a five-star review. But Jono, thanks again, mate. Thanks so much, awesome Jono. Awesome sharing. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. See you next time. See you next time. I keep them coming back. We keep them coming back.